everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. I'm your host, Elspeth Callahan, and a quick announcement just at the top of this episode, we'll be officially moving to new episodes every other week, which means I won't be putting out my recommendations as often in between. Each episode is actually a lot of work and takes quite a bit of time to organize the interviews and put the whole shebang together. I've loved doing it for a long time, but everyone needs a holiday now and then, am I right? So stay connected every other week for the usual slew of great conversations with people all around the world doing great work for people and the planet. Such as this week's conversation I had with Kaylee Dunwald, founder of Sacred Serve, a vegan gelato company in the States that's making waves with its holistic, nutrient-dense ingredients and sustainable packaging. Sure, we talk about the frozen indulging category, but really this conversation is about healing your body through the food that we eat. So let's dive right in and hear all about it. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what life was like before beginning Sacred Serve? Yeah, so I um, grew up and this is where I like to start the story because I grew up, I had a great childhood, but I had always suffered really severe cases of asthma and allergies, which was kind of defining for me growing up. Um, It really impacted sports and being able to have certain pets. Um, And so it was just something that I managed all the time. But um, outside of that, I was super happy. I went to school in at Indiana University and graduated with a business degree. And so my first job out of college was working in real estate consulting for a big firm oh, wow. in town. And so, yeah, it was great. I did that for about six years. And then it was really during that time that I um, started feeling extra unhealthy and was just stressed out and traveling a ton. So I wound up taking a couple of sabbaticals during that time that really started to open my eyes to, you know, maybe there's a different way to live, a different way to kind of design my life um, that might be a little bit more fulfilling than what I'm doing right now. The stress of something can often lead us to take a step back and reevaluate, like, what is causing damage in my life right now? Um, So was that kind of your catalyst for seeking out um, either a vegan lifestyle or um, incorporating vegan elements into your diet? Yeah, absolutely. So I remember specifically, um, I was on one project out in New York, and it was the most stressed out I had ever been. Again, you know, stress isn't always rational. So looking back, I kind of laugh, like, why, why was I so stressed out at that job? Right. <laughs> um, but when I was in it, it really was crippling. You know, it was, it was, I had anxiety and just daily stressors that felt really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And um, there was one point. So again, I'm in New York, I'm going out to all the restaurants. And at this point in time, juice cleanses were kind of becoming more and more popular as mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you know, a quick fix or a weight loss thing for whatever. And I just thought maybe that would be interesting to explore. Why don't I try doing that? So I did about a seven day juice cleanse. And it was crazy because three days into that juice fast, I showed up to work and I sat down and I remember feeling this overwhelming sense of calm that I had never really experienced in that job before. And I just, I I remember having very rational thoughts. It was like, you have 12 hours in this day to finish this work. Like you're absolutely going to do it. And if you don't get it right, there's a manager that's going to check it and it's not going to go straight to the client. And, you know, just was able to really talk myself through the stress that I had been experiencing before that. And so I really contributed that to 
the juice cleanse. And at the time, not really understanding why, just knowing that, look, when I stopped eating basically food um, and, and went on this juice cleanse, my body was able to adapt in such a powerful way um, that my mind became very clear and very able to handle external stressors in a way that I had not been experiencing before. Wow. What a strange, um, slightly unnerving thing to be like, oh, if I just stop eating, but I know you weren't not eating, you were still getting your nutrients, but it was uh, such a different foreign experience, I'm sure. Exactly. And I think what that really did was it planted the seed just around how powerful this change was and how it impacted so much more than just my physical body, that it really had a large impact on my mind. That was just kind of the catalyst to thinking, what else could I do that might have such an impact? You know, what else could I change about my diet that might benefit me in such a way? Mm -hmm. And to be able to realize that there is such a close connection between overall health and the food that we are eating. It's not just that, oh, I I can exercise every day, but then I can eat everything that I want, or I can have a really stressful job and uh, it doesn't matter what I'm eating because, you know, I just have to get the work done. Like that food is so integrated into our like everyday health to be able to recognize that in a dramatic way, like a juice cleanse. How did you kind of explore coming back to food after your juice cleanse to be able to um, use that as a tool for ongoing mental and physical health? Yeah, so I really did a ton of research at that time about how to break uh, a cleanse like this. And so I leaned into it very carefully. And I also was careful on the front end, you know, it, it it really does detail, like cut out the meat, the dairy, the caffeine, the alcohol a week before you start this juice fast to make it easier on your system. Um, so oh, that's kind of what wow. I did on the back end too, where I was just slowly, gradually getting back into some of those foods. Uh, but this was very early in my journey. So I would say that I um, went back to eating meat and dairy and just kind of lived on, but kept this in the back of my mind, you know, of just interesting, like, I wonder if I can keep exploring this. And so I started going to health food stores and just really spending like 45 minutes walking around looking at all the products, all the alternative products. You know, at that time, it was maybe there was a coconut milk and a soy milk. And that was about Mm -hmm. it. You know, I had a lot of fun starting to really explore some of these alternatives is really where I was looking because um, I was so used to the standard American diet. I wasn't really at that time willing to sacrifice, you know, what I had been comfortable eating. Oh, totally. It would just be like a dramatic time in general, like trying to to balance a stressful job and these realizations that food is connected to your well-being. And so to be able to just keep that in mind. I hope that that's something that a lot of listeners can take away from this and and from many conversations that we've had about plant-based or part-time veganism diets on this podcast. It's so important to be able to know that that's an option and that there are benefits and that maybe there are sacrifices for it, but do they outweigh? What are your pros and cons? And just kind of like evaluating all of this before being like, okay, turn the meat off, turn the ice cream off. We can't have anything nice anymore or whatever your perspective is. And suddenly, you know, I'm hungry all the time. I'm grumpy. Like I'm not happy with veganism. What, what do I do? What am I doing wrong? Um, And so to be able to take it on, slowly and let it kind of simmer and and think about things is I think such a great way to transition to 
any new lifestyle in your life. I agree. And, you know, I used to, or I see it all the time and I was a health coach for a little while and it, it, there is such a mentality of all or nothing. Like I'm Mm -hmm. going to reap the benefits unless I'm, you know, doing a 30, 30 to an hour long workout, you know, 10 minutes isn't going to do anything for me or partially going vegan isn't really going to do anything for me and all of this. But I think the most impactful thing that I've learned even just this past year is how much every little nuanced choice does matter. Um, And it kind of Mm -hmm. all adds up. And so it's so important to know that, you know, even if you're making one little switch a day, that will really impact over time. And, you know, it all matters. It really does. That's great. You are the founder of Sacred Serve. Can you tell me what Sacred Serve is and how that came about? Yeah, so Sacred Serve is a plant-based line of gelato that was really designed to bring more function into the frozen indulgent category. So essentially, we choose all of our ingredients first and foremost for their health promoting properties, and then really think about flavor second. So what we're really trying to do is infuse more nutrition into a category that's historically very just dairy and sugar laden and um, filled with rather inflammatory and harmful ingredients. So that was definitely the big goal. And the impetus was to really change the landscape of food being offered to consumers because it's hard and there's, you know, a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of great information out there, but it can be very difficult to weed through. And I saw that as a health coach, you know, people are very confused when they go to the stores. And so, you know, I thought it was time that we really focus on the root issue here, which is just the options available period. I like that too, that it's kind of in conversation with what we were talking about, how you're, you're slowly transitioning. You're not saying, Hey, I'm making an ice cream for vegans. I'm making an ice cream for anybody who wants to have that kind of maybe indulgent frozen treat, but then also talking about um, lots of health benefits to the different ingredients that are in there. And then you're also doing a lot of work with choosing things sustainably or focusing on packaging and stuff like the way that you've just described it seems like it's not just, hey, vegans, this is for you. It's more like, hey, everybody, we need to be having this conversation about what's in our food. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I would say, you know, our product, um, it tastes great and it's creamy and it's a rich texture and it's a very easy substitute for anyone that really does enjoy ice cream. And I think one of the biggest benefits to this is that you're not going to feel tired and lethargic or bloated after eating our product, which is so common with traditional ice cream. You know, you're eating all of this dairy, all of these weird stabilizers and Mm -hmm. refined sugars that no one feels good after eating that, you know? And (laughs) if they say they do, then they, they genuinely just aren't that in touch with their bodies. And that is very common and it's okay. But one of the biggest goals was just to show people that you can indulge and you can have sweet treats, um, but you can also feel great after doing so. And that, you know, I really want people to feel that sense of vitality in their lives and understand that food really shouldn't weigh them down. It's actually should be there to give them energy to, to live their lives. I think that you've probably got a lot of great tips for how to, in that same vein, make a vegan diet in general a little bit more exciting. It's not... <laughs> 
for a lot of people. For a lot of people, they're just kind of like, okay, just plants. Hmm. Right. Just (laughs) plants. Okay. Let me think about that. Uh, It's, it can be challenging to, to try and wrap your mind around that. If you're coming from an omnivore diet or very heavy carnivore diet, like it's not strictly carnivore, but you know what I mean? Like where we're coming from the American diet or the Canadian diet, that's where I'm at. So to be able to realize that there are options being created again that are all about vitality and nutrition, but are also um, meant to be a little bit more interesting than a salad, or a little bit more interesting than like I don't know black bean brownies. That's the only other dessert that I can think of that are like, yeah. why is there beans in my brownies? But at the same time, I'm sure it tastes fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally it. Yeah. So to be able to incorporate this kind of excitement into your standard meal plan for um, a vegan diet, do you have some favorite meals that you have come across over the years that really speak to that, that it's not just about replacing meat with these kind of like fake meat alternatives, or it's not about the loss, it's celebrating the greatness of the plant-based diet? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that there's so many great recipes online, but they can also be overwhelming for people. So mm-hmm. I have found the most success in really just experimenting and mixing things together. And quite frankly, plants usually always go together. So, you know, you can make little brown rice bowls and just add a bunch of different vegetables on top, saute them, steam them, whatever, roast them. And then what I love to do, and I think is the easiest way to go about it is to find some good sauces or dressings, whether you're buying them at the store or making them at home, but that will tie everything together. And so you don't really have to worry about it. You just make some brown rice or quinoa or some type of grain and just buy a ton of veggies that sound good, that are colorful, and then tie it all together with a sauce. And that that works all the time in our house and you can do it with whatever is in your fridge. Um, And so, yeah, it's a very easy way to just get this nutrient dense, lots of different, lots of different plants, lots of different nutrients in there. Um, but somehow tie it all together with very minimal effort. I like that. That sounds like a easy three-part meal sort of thing. Okay. My base, my veggies and my sauce. That sounds, that sounds doable for people. I think that on a, a very early episode of the podcast, we talked about kind of a framework for creating a meal plan or creating a structure for just, okay, I have to make supper how do I make supper right now? What am I going to make? And so that idea of like, okay, the meat, potato, vegetable, like spread on the classic American diet plate uh, to be able to have like a similar, okay, I'm going to have grain, I'm going to have a vegetable, and I'm going to have a sauce that's a blend of vegetables and be able to uh and that has like the flavor and the kick and the excitement there to be able to do that as a framework for people I think is just really helpful as a starting point you're like I want to start including two vegetarian or vegan meals in my diet a week I want to include four so this way I can just say oh I have this leftover and this and I'm going to buy this specific thing and be able to put together something lovely yeah so what was kind of the last straw for you or the final um, impetus for deciding to transition to either a full-time or mostly vegan diet and what kind of advice can people glean from that hopefully to uh, help with their own transition? Yeah, so I was um, about 25 years old and at the time I was in India um, on a sabbatical really there to 
to study yoga and meditation. But again, this started to raise awareness for me of just that mind-body connection. And so I started exploring a little bit of Ayurveda and Eastern medicine. And um, I wound up on the back end of that trip going down to Bali, Indonesia, which has this huge wellness yoga scene as well. And this was years after I had done that initial little juice fast in New York. But I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to book some time on like a health resort here and just see how far I can take my health. And I had signed up for essentially a two week raw food cleanse. So just fresh fruits and vegetables, juices, paired with a little bit of uh, supplements and walking. And within those two weeks, this really is the first time that I've ever noticed this, within those two weeks, my body completely healed itself of both asthma and allergies that I had suffered from since a young child. And so this was something that I saw doctors and specialists growing up and they all told me I was born with these conditions and I would need to rely on medications for the rest of my life. And so to realize that, you know, 25 years old after suffering my whole childhood with these conditions, that it was actually not the way I was born. And on top of that, it was very clear that it was actually the food I was eating my whole life that was making me and keeping me so sick. And namely dairy, processed foods, refined oils, just again, the standard American diet growing up, you know, you have a glass of milk for healthy, strong bones and mm-hmm. all these different things. But, um, you know, it was really then that I realized no doctor had ever inquired about my diet and why yeah. is that the case and why is the food that I'm being served causing this real severe reaction within my body beyond just food sensitivities, you know, like I'm really suffering from these conditions and by removing them, my body is healed. So it was a very powerful moment of just taking a look at the food system, the medical systems, how they're working together and essentially keeping a lot of people quite sick um, without realizing that they have this power to really transform their own health simply by what they're putting on their plate. That was really when I decided, you know, look, I'm going to go back to school for nutrition. I'm going to learn about this. And I'm really going to make a big push to change the landscape of what consumers are being served because I didn't know any better. And, you know, I'm a, a very educated individual at 25 years old, and this had never come across my plate, this type of of education that food has this big of an impact on our overall well-being. So um, yeah, I really, at that point in time, made it my mission to share with everyone I know that our bodies can heal themselves. We don't need medication most of the time. And um, it really comes down to preventing that through diet and lifestyle. I love that. I think that food is absolutely health and and that the way that we, or anything that we're putting into our bodies, whatever we're consuming is going to have an impact. And obviously like that goes beyond food. It's the makeup that we're putting on. It's the, it's the um, products that we're using on our skin. Uh, it's even like the kind of content that we're consuming on like TV, books, media, like all of that is going to have um, a weight or an impact to us. And I, I think that just opening your mind to 
into that conversation is just so valuable and uh, and it's really exciting. So thank you for bringing up the conversation of how like we can be healed through food. I think that's so yeah, great. Yeah. Tell me about some of the particular ingredients in maybe your your top three flavors with Sacred Serve and why uh, you've chosen those particular ingredients for their health benefits, their nutrients. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, yeah. so the base for all of our flavors um, is my favorite ingredient, our hero ingredient, which is young coconut meat. And so a lot of people don't know what that ingredient is. And so- Yeah, what is that? Um, yeah, so the green coconuts that give coconut water, which most people are familiar with, if you kind of crack the tops of those coconuts open, and if, if anyone's ever kind of traveled to a beach somewhere, you'll see that they'll serve these green coconuts and then the guys will just crack it open. You stick a straw in there and you drink the water right from it. But oftentimes they'll also give you a little spoon and that's because you can scrape the inside of those shells and you get this little kind of pulp. And that is what we use as the base for our ice cream. And it's very nutritionally different than coconut milk, which is what most people use for, for a non-dairy base if they're going in the coconut direction. Um, but this young coconut meat is packed with fiber, all five essential electrolytes, um, MCTs, and a bunch of vitamins and minerals in there. And from a nutritional perspective on like the calorie front, it's about half the calories and fat of mature coconut milk. Um, and it's also got a much more subtle coconut taste so if you drink coconut milk it's very it's a very strong coconut flavor same with coconut oil Um, these are coming from the more mature coconuts but this young coconut meat is is very neutral and so it becomes this perfect vehicle for all the flavors that we're wanting to add into it and you know that when you're getting our chocolate ice cream it's really just chocolate not chocolate and which is so common yeah we love that. We love that ingredient. That was something that, you know, when I went back to school for nutrition, I, I wound up moving back to Bali to just continue to immerse myself in this wellness culture that was over there. And because there is such a tropical environment and coconuts are everywhere, this young coconut meat was being used in all the restaurants. And really, there were chefs coming from all over the world, uh, opening up restaurants here again, because it's kind of like a yoga capital. Um, and a lot of travelers come through. So there was a lot of interest in this healthy, fresh, raw vegan cuisine. And that's where I saw this coconut meat being used for everything, like spiralizing it into noodles and in curries and different dishes and fruit salads. Um, and I thought, you know, how crazy that no one is is doing anything with this back at home. Um, and hmm. what, what fun we could have really trying to build build a product off of this. With the young coconut meat as the base for all of your gelato, what are some of the different flavors on top of that? And, and why did you choose those? I mean, besides chocolate, that's obvious. Right. <laughs> yeah, so we have a chaga chocolate is what it's called. And, and chaga is a um, very potent medicinal mushroom. Um, it's actually one of the highest antioxidants in the world. Um, So we use that again for its medicinal properties, but in that chocolate flavor, 
We have maca root, which comes from Peru, which is an adaptogen. And then we have the cacao powder itself, which is really powerful coming from the Dominican. And so this flavor is kind of like an aphrodisiac. The maca in there is um, a very powerful hormone balancer and like libido enhancer. So these are fun things that we kind of throw into our flavors. The cacao powder has that, they call it like the bliss molecule, kind of like a happiness chemical in there. Um, so yeah, all of those two together are great and actually the cacao aids in the absorption of that chaga mushroom so we're quite mindful about how we're pairing some of our ingredients together we also have a matcha mint chip so what we like to do is kind of start take a traditional flavor like mint chip and and elevate it with some of these more functional ingredients and so we usually call out that big player like matcha. And so we have a matcha mint chip with the uh, matcha green tea in there, which again, very powerful antioxidant. There's also peppermint essential oil, which is antimicrobial, really great for digestion. And then we have uh, another flavor, which is our saffron chai latte. And so saffron is this really cool, obscure, it's actually like one of the most expensive spices in the world. Um, people <laughs> don't always realize that. And I'm like, you know, you guys were selling this flavor for the same price as all the others, but this is so um, expensive and hard to source, but it's great for brain health. A um, lot of really good health properties there. And then, um, you know, it's kind of a flavor that was inspired by my time in India. So chai is so popular. So it's got rose water and cardamom and cinnamon in there. Really like a nice fall flavor. All of those sound so lovely. <laughs> so great. To a yeah. pregnant woman. <laughs> like that sounds great. I would eat any one of those. Can you tell me a little bit more about matcha and maybe chaga as well? These are just like terms that I've heard lots of, especially coming from work in an eco-friendly lifestyle shop lately. I have heard yeah. of these things a lot more and I just don't know anything about them. So matcha is a young tea leaf. Is that what it is? And is it green tea? It's a green tea and they um, powder it most often. And so uh, you essentially just scoop a little powder out and you mix it with water and kind of come up with the tea in that way. But it's extremely high in antioxidants and it's lower... You know, it definitely has caffeine, but not as much as like a black tea or a coffee would. And so what you're okay. really getting is kind of this slight stimulation and alertness, but also a calming effect. So it's not going to create that jumpy buzz that you're going to get with coffee or, you know, really bring you up to then have a crash later. I think that was one of the biggest benefits that I noticed when I switched myself in the mornings from coffee to matcha is just that this four o'clock afternoon slump that most people talk about is probably coming from the fact that you kind of spiked your adrenals so early in the day and then you are indeed crashing. So matcha has a much more steady, stable, you know, effect so that you're really not going to get that crash later in the day. Cool. And then check out, tell me more about that. Yeah. So this is a mushroom um, that is grown on birch trees and it actually looks like a piece of charcoal almost. It's, it's really dark and funky looking with a bright orange on the inside, but has been used for centuries for all of its medicinal 
properties, but you can boil it into a tea or you can use extracts of it. But again, it's just very high in its antioxidant levels. And so that is always going to be good for immune boosting and overall health, just really helping to, you know, remove and reduce the free radicals in your body and, and cut inflammation. So Sacred Serve has put together or has worked really hard to create a packaging that is also better for the planet on top of these wonderful ingredients that you're combining for overall human health, but about planet health. Can you tell me a little bit about how Sacred Serve is uh, focusing on their packaging? Yeah, so when I first started this company, you know, my goal was really to change the landscape of what consumers are being served, um, mostly from a nutritional standpoint. But on day one, when I was researching packaging was when I realized just how you know, critical this packaging was going to be in terms of what we're talking about of wanting to serve consumers. So essentially, when I started, I learned for the first time that no ice cream pints are recyclable, um, even though they look like paper, and you would think this is perfect. They are always lined with a thin layer of plastic on the inside, which prevents them from leaking. It's, it's kind of a moisture barrier in there. Um, and because of that, at least in the US, you know, our recycling doesn't have capacity to pull that apart. And so it really renders the whole thing trash. But because it looks so confusing, everyone is recycling them. And so what that's doing mm. is rendering all of those recycling bins trash as a whole when you kind of mix those in. So very unfortunate. Uh, ice cream is a huge consumption product in America. So you can only imagine how much waste is just adding up from this. So I was very distraught, you know, wanting to come out with this really healthy, focused product. It's, you know, we're a 100% vegan company trying to be better to Mother Nature, which is where we source all of our inspiration and was having a really tough time with this product um, packaging. So I had done a ton of research. I learned that there was a more eco-friendly coating um, that was made from plants. Although looking back, this was four years ago, I'm not sure if it was really plastic free, but I did find a slightly better solution. And I um, went to our packaging manufacturer and I said, look, I, I want this coating on our product packaging. I want you guys to source this and then manufacture our boxes to spec. And they told me, which is no surprise, that we are just way too small for them to do something like this for us. Our product mm. was too limited at, at such an early stage um, that they weren't willing to kind of bend over backwards and make something like this happen. So mm-hmm. I had to kind of shift gears and decided to come to market with a packaging that was sustainable in the sense that it was um, post-consumer recycled paperboard and it's a different shape than a traditional ice cream pint. So it, it kind of looks like a little takeout box with a fold top. And so because of that, um, it reduces the amount of material needed in general with the reduction of that extra lid. So that was as good as I could get. I got this recycled paperboard and less material needed as it was and came to market with that with the goal of I'm going to get my volumes up and then I'm really going to have something to say about this packaging. And so three and a half, four years in now, which is where we are now, I was finally able to connect with a different supplier who had a relationship with a company out in the UK who had over the last eight years been working on developing this 100% plastic-free 
moisture barrier for the frozen category like this. And I will say that I feel like it was very divine that I got connected with this supplier. Um, mm -hmm. Really stars aligned on it because they had the capabilities to reproduce even the exact box that we had already been working with, which was a very customized shape and lots of money to, to reproduce that from a manufacturing perspective. But they already had this capability. And then they had this supplier relationship with the company in the UK that's got this plastic free lining. And so we were able to pull through that sustainable paperboard and manufacture it in our existing carton shape and really come to market with the first ever fully recyclable, compostable and biodegradable carton for the frozen category. So we were absolutely thrilled to make that happen. That's so interesting that it can be recyclable and uh, compostable. Like, are we talking maybe backyard compostable? It is um, backyard and industrial, yeah, and biodegradable wow. in water and soil as well. So we're doing some testing at our house right now, but I will say that um, the company that came, that developed it, you know, one of the reasons that it's taken so long for someone to even do that is because not only did it take them eight years to, to even figure out the technology behind it, but um, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of testing to prove that Ooh. this is plastic free, this can be recycled, this can be composted, this is biodegradable, you know, which a lot of corporations aren't going to make that investment, you know, unless they really think consumers want that. And I just don't know if it's been a large enough conversation until this point in time, you know, all of that to say, I'm not surprised that it hasn't hit the market yet, but we're so grateful that someone did spend the time um, and money to get that done. And so wonderful that, that they have put in this time and effort into this um, like seemingly niche area because there right. are going to be people who need this product to make their product more sustainable and, and align with their values. It's fun. And, you know, it's the emerging brands that are having these conversations. I think, you know, I joined a clubhouse talk the other day, just all around sustainable packaging. And it was hundreds of entrepreneurs just wanting to launch businesses and like having the same questions that I did four years ago, of just like, wait, you're telling mm -hmm. me that I can't sell my product in something plastic free, that it has to have plastic because of the moisture barriers and the shelf life and all of this. Um, so in food specifically, it becomes a huge, huge conversation. And I know that there's innovations going on across the board. I think a lot of people are working with hemp-based products. Yeah, a lot is happening, but it's exciting and cool to see that it's it's always the emerging brands. It's the young, hungry entrepreneurs that are really taking these first steps and really challenging the larger corporation, because I do think that we will be taking market share from them. I think consumers do really prioritize this more and more every day. And so it'll be really cool to see the larger guys at the top feel the pressure and start start to make these types of decisions as well, which is really where the impact's going to come. Oh, that's wonderful. So what is one of your favorite uh, DIY vegan ice cream options for if somebody just wanted to try making something homemade and explore the the frozen indulgence section of uh, their at-home uh, vegan options? What would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say the easiest way to go about it is to always just use frozen bananas. 
So you just put, you know, a banana, a frozen banana or two in your blender. You can add whatever flavorings you want, like cacao powder or, um, and then add a little bit of coconut milk in there, maybe some vanilla bean if you want some fruit. And then I normally could do like a little bit of maple syrup or maybe a nut butter. And then you just blend that all together. Um, and you can probably just eat it straight from your blender if your banana was frozen enough. Otherwise you can transfer it into a little container and freeze it for later. But um, yeah, it's a super, super easy thing to do. And you'll know when you're making it that it's probably closer to a smoothie than it is a dessert. So you can feel really great about eating that too. I would eat it right out of my blender. Okay. That does sound really good. <laughs> Where is your ice cream currently available for people to purchase? Yeah, so we um, have a great store locator on our website, sacredserve.com. But right now we are in um, all Whole Foods markets in the Midwest and um, some great accounts on the East and West Coast. So yeah, lots of big markets, smaller markets, and then we do have nationwide shipping right from our website as well. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was really awesome to kind of explore this conversation. I wasn't really sure where like where we would focus the most um, because we're going to be talking about your vegan ice cream. We're talking about vegan diets and holistic nutrition. I really think that like there's a, a powerful theme of using food as a way to heal um, or take control of maybe some aspects of your life. And so I'm, I'm really excited to share this conversation with our listeners. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you'd like to learn more from Kaylee, you can head to their website, sacredserve.com or find her on Instagram at sacredserve. If you enjoyed today's conversation, you would also really like episode 14, learning to cook with nutrition artist, Michelle Jalen, episode 34, eat mostly plants with my podcasting pal, Teresa, and episode 68, essential oils 101 with Jasmine of Nourishment Kitchen. You can find all of those and more in our archives, wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to support this show, you can leave me a rating and review in Apple Podcasts, or you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee over at coffee.com slash Callahan, or you can send an email to practicallyzerowaste at gmail.com because I'd love to hear from you. I hope you're really doing well out there in the world wherever you are and that you're enjoying some fresh air and a good romp in some natural spaces. That's all from me this week and next. Have a great week, everyone, and talk to you soon.